Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Season 2 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast, week 55, for those keeping track of such things. I got a great show for you tonight. Really excited to launch season two. And I really thank you for all the support you've been showing me. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens, have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the Commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right, America, season two. Good show tonight. I got uh, Anthony the Mooch Scaramucci joining me in a little while. I had a great conversation with him. Uh, two guys from Long Island talking politics. Both worked at a uh, pretty high level. Probably both never thought we'd be at that level. So it was a good conversation. You know, here's a guy who used to work for Donald Trump and now is at war with Donald Trump. Has endorsed Joe Biden. And he talked a little bit about why he did that. Um, so that's a good interview. You want to stick around for that in a few minutes. You'll hear that. But let me start by talking about uh, this president uh, who's done. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put this. I He's done. He is going to lose many states. I, I'm starting to think he's going to lose Texas. I think he's going to lose Florida. I saw a poll today that had Ohio as a dead heat. In fact, Biden was up one point, but that's, you know, statistically insignificant. It, it's uh, and he's and, and but the number that was was thrilling to me in that poll was Trump was way below 50 percent. Right. Biden's not above 50 percent. Trump's not above 50 percent. Biden's up by one. Ohio's in play. Uh, Ohio hasn't been in play in a while. Um, Texas is in play. Biden is is within one point in Texas and Trump again, well below 50% in Texas. I think Biden's going to win Florida. Um, And I think the Republicans are making a huge mistake by coming out against vote by mail. I mean, if we're still in a situation where people are afraid to vote, who is going to be most afraid? 
people over the age of 60. People over the age of 60 are also most likely to vote Republican. So go ahead, keep them home. If more people over that age group don't show up, they can't win in a lot of these close states. I mean, Texas particularly, Florida for sure, Ohio. You know, these are states where, look, I mean, people over 60 tend to be the most reliable voters. And the most reliable voters tend to be uh, Republicans for a lot of reasons. And, um, you know, they're older, they're set in their ways, they bring their, we used to say they bring their rulers into the voting booth and they just take it and they pull the the lever all at the same time. Now we don't have levers, right? But these Republicans uh, uh, in their 60s tend to show up regularly. Now, I don't think they're showing up this year. So you better give them an alternative GOP or they're not going to vote in the same numbers that you're used to seeing them vote in some states and Florida particularly is a state that while is not as bad as New York as far as the coronavirus has a lot of people over the age of 60 who will be more frightened to come out than not. Now I know Florida has a pretty liberal absentee policy and and a, a good deal of early voting. So maybe it won't be as bad. But there are places in this country, Arizona, I mean Texas, where this could make a real difference, Ohio. So, I, you know, and I think to the credit of Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, he has suggested vote by mail. Um, Larry Hogan, the, the governor of, of Delaware, excuse me, of Maryland, has suggested vote by mail. And these are Republicans. And, and you know, Hogan, you could say, is a never-Trumper, was considering primarying Trumping, but you can't say that about Mike DeWine. Mike DeWine's an old-school Republican. He's an old-school Republican. You know, back when Republicans had a governing philosophy, uh, which this president doesn't have. He doesn't have a governing philosophy. He has a me, 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 me philosophy. I mean, he he has a grievance philosophy. He wants to grieve. So I am, I, I you know, if you look at what happened last week with Bleachgate and uh, these presidential press conferences, which he canceled, and then he did on Monday. Look, it's over. He's not going to get reelected. If he wants to save his legacy at all, he should announce he's not running for reelection and focus on the coronavirus. And then maybe people will appreciate him for doing that. I think right now what they are doing is they're blaming him for failing to protect this country, for failing to read his presidential daily briefs every day. The man has failed. The man is not going to get reelected. The economy is in shambles. We are going to have 25% unemployment when we see the next unemployment reports, at least 20%, probably 25%. And that's not going to come down before November. I mean, it'll come down somewhat. I think, you know, if we open the country up sometime in June, July, you'll start to see those numbers come down, but they're still going to be in the teens and that's not going to be good for him. Look, I don't think a president could get reelected if there's over 10% unemployment in this country, let alone 20, 25% unemployment. A lot of the people who are unemployed in this country are people who may have voted for Donald Trump or people who may have stayed home in the last election. Because they did, thought it didn't matter. Do you think they think it didn't matter? doesn't matter now? I think they think it matters. Because it does matter. The man is done. D-O-N-E, done. And you notice I, I, 
I'm not being sarcastic either, by the way. This is another thing that's driving me nuts about this man. Every mistake he makes, oh, it's just star sarcasm. I was being sarcastic when I told people that we need to inject disinfectant into their body. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Um, the White House podium is not uh, the stage at the improv, okay? You don't get to be sarcastic and tell little jokes about bleach being used internally so that the Clorox Corporation and the Lysol Corporation and other corporations who make these products had to put out statements saying not to use their body, their products internally. You don't get to do that. You're the president of the United States. So and let's also be clear here. When you're the president of the United States and you're going to do a press conference and you're going to have somebody make a presentation, a technical presentation at that press conference, you shouldn't be hearing it the same time I do. Okay, you shouldn't be listening to the report of the technical expert at the same time the general public does and then asking stupid questions because, you know, look, if you would have asked that question in a private briefing, I'm sure one of your staffers who hates your guts would have leaked it to the press, but it would have just been a leak to the press that you could have denied. But what you did was you asked a stupid question, and this is what he was doing, right? He was asking a stupid question. Somebody who doesn't have training and medical expertise, but you would think anybody with common sense knows you shouldn't drink bleach or inject Lysol into your body. But he was asking a stupid question because he never was briefed about this presentation prior to the person presenting it to the nation, to the world, at that press conference with the president standing Five feet away from him. He should be six feet, but he was five feet away from him. See, this is the thing. This is why he's not getting reelected, right? America is going to want a serious person to lead the recovery. People who take the job of the presidency seriously. This man does not take the job of the presidency seriously. If he did, he would have read the presidential daily briefings in January and February that warned of this coronavirus. He didn't read them. He wasn't prepared. He would have listened to the briefings. He would have had the briefings from these doctors before he presented them to the public. So he didn't ask stupid questions. I mean, the video of Dr. Perk's reaction to the president suggesting that we inject disinfectant into the body was priceless. I'm sure you've all seen it. Go to at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. That's my Twitter account. If you're not following me yet, please follow me there. Uh, but I, I have that up there. I, I mean, I, I don't know when I put it up. It's been up a million times, right? So you'll find it. But at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, it's a good place to, to keep keep up with me. I... um. I think that it's it's just amazing to me. So this is this is the this is his biggest problem. The American people want a serious person to lead us through this recovery. And we have a president of the United States that is incapable of he's first of all he's not intellectually curious, right? He doesn't want to find out things. He doesn't want to learn. He doesn't want to read, that's for sure. And he clearly doesn't want to sit in a one or two hour long briefing with a scientist who's talking about how disinfectant kills the germs on surfaces and sunlight kills the germs maybe on surfaces. Maybe. It reduces their half-life or whatever he was saying. It was a, 
it was a quacky presentation to begin with. Let me be let me be clear with that. I don't know that I bought everything that guy was selling. But the president should have been present at a briefing with this guy and understood what he was going to say before he said it. So he wasn't like learning on the job, learning on the spot in front of the cameras and asking stupid questions. The American people don't want this anymore. This is over. I mean, the poll numbers that we're seeing right now are bad, but they are going to get worse. Okay. They're going to get worse. There was a poll number in the Suffolk University poll that came out um, on Monday. Um, cares about people like me. Biden, 57. Trump, 39. That's his floor, I think. I think his floor is between 36 and 39%. 39%. And those numbers are going to start showing up. I, 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 am, I am bound, bound. I am sure we're going to see this. So for those of you listening to me for the first time, notice that I just rant and I don't edit <laughs> like a lot of podcasts do. I just like to talk and you get to listen. And if you don't like it, you could you could tweet me, you could email me, Christopher.han.info at gmail, or just go to Christopherhan.com. That email address is there. Um and at Christopher Han on Twitter. Hopefully you like it. Uh I try to just air what I'm thinking to you here on the uh on the aggressive progressive podcast. Cause I honestly think that it's over for him. That doesn't mean we don't have to work hard. That doesn't mean that they won't try to steal it because trust me, they will try to steal it. That's what they do, right? Republicans can't compete on the field of ideas. So they try to change the game and make it harder for people to vote, especially people who they know or suspect will vote against them. Younger people, people of color, people of lower incomes. That's what they try to do. They try to make it hard, but I'm telling you, they are making a big mistake with this mail-in voter thing that they're pushing back again. I mean, look, Utah is a mail-in voter state. Not a lot of Democrats elected to government in Utah. It's been a mail-in vote state for a bunch of years. We have plenty of studies that show that there's little to no fraud in mail-in voting. There's definitely been no cases of organized fraud in mail-in voting. And there's been hundreds of millions of ballots now over the past 30 or 30 or so years since I think Oregon was the first state to institute mail-in voting. There's been, I think, 100 million votes cast. And where's the evidence? None. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I have a lot of Republican trolls because I am the leading liberal on Fox News. And they always put up to me, where's your proof? Where's your proof? As if I'm going to put proofs in a proof in a tweet, right? You know, give me all your research because, you know, clearly they're part of a party that believes in research, right? I mean, they believe in research or whatever Breitbart.com puts up. But they, they, they make these broad allegations about voter fraud with little evidence, no evidence, in many cases, almost no, I mean, there's no evidence. I mean, the only voter fraud I could think of in recent terms, organized voter fraud was a Republican in North Carolina and he was caught and they had to redo their election because of it. Because Republicans are always projecting. Remember that about them. So here we are. We are at the crossroads, I think, for this president's future. I think it's over. I mean, I think if you would have asked me honestly back in January what I thought 
I thought he was on the way, on his way to getting reelected. I thought we were going to nominate Bernie Sanders, and I like Bernie Sanders. Okay, I do. I like him. But Bernie Sanders in early January struck me as wanting to be right more than wanting to win, especially when we were talking about the Cuba thing, which he should have acknowledged was a mistake. And Donald Trump does that a lot too. And I thought, well, we're not going to win. Now we've got Biden and I'm not saying I'm ecstatic about Biden. I don't know what's going to happen with this allegation against him. Conservatives are going to try to make big hay out of it. I don't know if it's real or not. I think we should investigate it. I think women, when they make these accusations, should be believed. And the allegation should be looked into. And Republicans are trying to compare it to Brett Kavanaugh. Here's the big difference, right? There's an election in November. There's a Democratic convention in August. It's April. I almost forgot what month it is because we've all been living in the same spot for so long. Plenty of time for the press and others to look into it. Plenty of time for this to be vetted by the American people. And whether or not he gets the nomination or loses the nomination over this or not, I don't think he will. The American people get to make the vote, make their choice in November, right? Brett Kavanaugh, the Republican Party said, we've got to rush this through right now before anybody looks into it. That, to me, smells of a cover-up. There's no cover-up here. You want to look into Tara Reid's story about Joe Biden? I expect that the press do that. That's their job. And I'm sure they will. And if it turns out that this is true, then Biden's got to go. Okay? I don't think it's true because unlike President Trump, who's got like two or three dozen women who have NDAs because of bad experiences with him in a sexual manner— and a, you know, Access Hollywood tape that tells the president bragging about grabbing them by the you-know-what. I don't see a long history, a long line of women coming out to say Joe Biden sexually harassed them. Sorry, haven't heard one other woman yet. Now, if we start hearing stories of multiple women with similar stories, I'm going to have a problem with that. And I should. And so should you. But we haven't heard that yet. But this is what they're going to try to do, Right. Now, I don't think the Republicans want to have an election about who's the bigger sexual assaulter. And that's not what the election is going to be about. The election is going to be about one issue and one issue only. How is this country doing in the wake of COVID-19? And President Donald Trump is failing that test at every, every turn. So get ready. Buckle up. Going to be a wild, wild year. But America, trust me, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I am hopeful that this man is done. And if he knew what was good for his legacy, he would just say, I'm not running for re-election. We need a poll. We need a, we need a string of polls with him in the 30s in the next three weeks, and maybe he'll do that. I think it's going to take about a month for us to get him into the 30s regularly in polling. Polling tends to lag behind. It's a lagging indicator. But the trend's going in the right direction. All right, I got a great guest coming up in a minute, but I got to remind you, look, today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker, Friends of the pod could go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han, and they could get a free at-home five-day trial. Five pairs, five days, no obligation. You go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. You pick out the frames. You put in your prescription. They send them to you. They come to your house. Look, you're not going anywhere to try on glasses right now, I hope. I mean, unless you live in one of those states that decided that everything's, everything's good, but you probably aren't going anyway because you're listening to this show, which means you're smart. 
and you're saying, you know what? I don't think I need to risk my life to get a new pair of glasses. I'm just going to go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han, and I'm going to get five pairs in my house. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to wear them around the house. I'm going to have my significant others look at them. I'm going to Zoom with a few of my friends, and they're going to tell me how I look at them. I'm going to try them on with different clothing and see how they fit. And then I'll buy the ones I like, and the ones I don't like, I'm going to return in the package that they're going to give you to return them in. And you don't know anything on those. And the pairs you keep, they're only 95 bucks. That includes the prescription lenses, America. So go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. And one other thing you got to know about this company, for every pair you buy, they're going to donate a pair to somebody in need. And in these trying times, that should matter to you. Warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. All right. I'll be right back with the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci. Stay where you are. Joining me right now is somebody who I've wanted to talk to for about a year. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, or the Mooch, as America knows him, spent seven days as the communications director for President Donald J. Trump and ever since has been telling the truth. And I like people that tell the truth. You know that I start this show by saying the truth is on the air. Anthony, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great, but you like shortchanged me like four days. I was actually there for eleven. I mean, I mean, you know, all right, it's fine. I mean, you hurt my feelings a little bit. Chris, I'm sorry you know, about that. Eleven. I've got, a tough, I've got a tough skin. I can handle it. Eleven so, days in eleven days in that place must have felt like an eternity. For well, <laughs> listen, I mean, I I I I don't like revising history. I went to go serve the president. I was, I thought I was going to end up doing a good job. I made a mistake. It was a fellow Long Islander, yep, uh, Italian American whose father was very close to my dad, and. Uh, I said some off-the-cuff things, which were very colorful and actually very, very funny. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was off the record. He claimed that it wasn't. And so in the spirit of that relationship, he ran to CNN with the tape. Next thing you know, John Kelly's firing me. And John and I have become very close friends, uh, General Kelly and I. And uh, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, right? Because it saved my career, saved my marriage, and yeah. got, me, got me out of the Trump administration, bruised and banged up, like I told Stephen Colbert, he asked me if I thought I was going to last a long time. I said, Stephen, I thought I was going to last longer than a carton of milk in the refrigerator, <laughs> but I think it was going to get blown out that quickly. It was so, a very so, quick turnaround. Here, you know, and, and, and by the way, just so everybody knows, I did stay loyal to the president for two years after that departure. I thought I didn't think it was the right thing to do to turn on him. I was certainly trying to be supportive, but I was calling right. balls and strikes. He didn't like what I was saying, so he went to attack me. Yeah. That, that wasn't enough, Chris, so then he went after my wife. You're from Long Island. I'm from Long Island. Yep. It's not, it's not a good idea to go after somebody's wife. No, and, no. And, Chris, let me ask you and your, and your listeners, do I look like Ted Cruz, Steve? <laughs> no, do you I do not. Like Ted Cruz? No, you do not. So, so, you know, you're not allowed to go after my wife. I don't care who you are. And so I started punching back pretty hard. Yeah, there's some lines you just don't cross. And, you know, I, I, you know the media, I thought, was kind of unfair in— describing your relationship uh with your wife uh there was talk about you your your child being born when you're not there etc uh well, I, that's true i mean so all of that is true i mean you know she was pregnant we were fighting uh, she did not want me to work for the president we had other personal she was very things. smart Sorry. yeah she, we had other personal things going on a lot of it was my fault which i have to take responsibility for uh, she's got a, a set of, uh, you know, let's say ovaries cause she's a woman yep. and she like laid the gauntlet down and filed for divorce. And so if you're having a bad day, if you're trapped in your house in quarantine, I want you to think about my day 
July the 31st, 2017, uh. my pregnant wife has filed for divorce on me, uh, who I love. Uh, I'm being blown out of the White House, and I'm getting lit up in the American media, and I'm the, on the front page of the Post. Now, I did miss uh, James's birth, but the truth be told about that, I was with the president traveling on Air Force One, and even though we were fighting, there was just no way I could get back to New York. There's right. a 60-mile no-fly zone around the uh, plane. We were we were 90 minutes out from the plane in, in Suburbans in a motorcade up in West Virginia at that Boy Scout rally. You may remember that. I rally. do, where he went political and, at a Boy Scout rally. Yeah, and so that was a problem, too. We had to handle that the next day in terms of communications rebuffery. But, but listen, I mean, the good news is uh, it's three years since then. We've reconciled. Uh, it's day 42 in the House together. So far, uh, I haven't been castrated. And no. No one is... Uh, no one has filed for a divorce again. I mean, we love each other, and uh, we're making a go of it. What do you have to do to What you have to do to make it up? I mean, you know, I mean, it seems like it was a pretty big uh, fight. Uh, you were clearly wrong. You've admitted that. What did you have to do to make it up to her? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I went to see her. I mean, this is uh, uh, three years ago now, but we we had the perp walk heading into the divorce court, where she was photographed, I was photographed. Yep. We end up on page six. Uh, we go into the court. We listen to the judge talk about her divorce. Uh, that's over. Uh, frankly, I remember seeing her aunt and uncle in there, who I loved. I thought they were great people. I was getting ready to say hello to them, and I was like, "Okay, wait a minute. I'm so, I'm sort of the enemy now, right?" Right. And so I was like, "This is really stupid." So after that, I drove over to our house. I rang the doorbell. I said, "Listen, I want to. We we should figure this out. We've got young kids. I love you. Uh, whatever mistakes I've made, I want to own up for." And, uh, you know, I think you still love me. Why flush a 10-year relationship down the toilet? You know, and I think your listeners probably know, and I can't speak for your relationship, but I would imagine that relationships out there in the world are yep. uneven at times. Yep. They don't always go up in a straight line or a you know, 45-degree angle. And so we had a big chop in our relationship. And uh, But here's what I would say. Working through whatever our issues were, thank God, and I... Uh, you know, believe in God, so I, I, you know, always pray for people's health yep. and happiness. I would say that our relationship is stronger today than it was three years ago. And in a weird way, Chris, getting ejected from the White House was a blessing, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it put way, things in perspective for you, right? Like you, you had no this, this, this person that you were working for that you thought yeah. was going to be, you know, whatever. And, mm -hmm. and then you realize what really mattered to you. And also, it was very humbling. You know, I, there was a moment in there where I felt like I was in an alternate universe. I don't know if you ever saw It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. But it was like George Bailey on the bridge bangs his head. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's in this alternative universe. And I remember thinking to myself in the middle of that fiasco, I said, wow, this is not for me. I said, if I can only get my old life back, how happy would I be? And, you know, and so I worked on that. And so I think, it's, again, it's a. It's a message. You know, if you're having a bad day, think of me on July 31st with all that commotion going on. It's and, amazing, right? But I mean, you know, Chris, here's the other thing I would tell people, though. You, you, you know, you make mistakes. What you can't do is carry those mistakes with you for the rest of your life. You know, I wake up in the morning. I don't kick myself in the pants and say, oh, geez, I made a really stupid mistake in the White House and got myself fired. I take, I take the millstone of that regret off of my neck, I put it on the side, and I move forward. Right. But I own, I own the mistake. You know, I never blamed the journalists. I never blamed General Kelly. Never blamed Tr President Trump. That was my mistake. 
I own it well, 100%. Well, you know, the thing is, Anthony, can, can I tell you, know? like, that is what I think America wants the president to do, to mm -hmm. own his mistakes. Yeah, I, he's, not gonna, he's not capable of doing he's that, in, though. I, I mean, during this crisis, the thing that bothers me the most about yeah. him is that he can never just say, that was a bad decision. That was, we should have, we should have started earlier. How are we supposed to know? I mean, honestly, when you take responsibility for things, yeah. people will forgive you. Yeah, I mean, well, the politicians have a tendency, you know, President Bush, they asked him about his weaknesses. He said he couldn't think of any. They asked uh, President Obama if he made any mistakes. He said, no, I didn't make any. And so, so what ends up happening is you're in that situation. You're afraid to say that because you know it's going to get clipped and it's going right. to be used in a television ad against you, right? If he's up there at the podium and he says, yeah, you know, I made a mistake. I should have started earlier. They'll run that on him, you know forever. But I, I get your point. And again, I'm not here to protect the president or not. I mean, I just like calling balls and strikes. Yeah. I think he did make a mistake, a colossal mistake. It cost a lot of lives. Uh, but I think we're, the big mistake he's making right now is just not telling the truth. Yeah. So you're into the 19,000th lie, and there's a risk premium in the markets because of it. I was on Anderson Cooper's show one night you know, he every time he was opening his mouth lying like that, he's yeah. taking one to two trillion dollars out of the market. Yeah. So, you know, the Federal Reserve has come into the rescue now and stabilized things, but he would be so much better served if he could just calm down a little bit and actually have a solid message. But, you know, people are gonna find this shocking because he's you know, he's got a very nice wife. I think Melania's a great person. He's yep. uh obviously been a very successful man. He made it to the American presidency. And so people find this shocking, but there's an insecurity there that I think a lot of people that have worked for him don't really understand why he would Completely. be Completely. All right. You know? Hold that thought. <laughs> All right. Here's part two of my interview with the Mooch. Mooch, I really do uh, appreciate you doing this for me and, and coming on the air. So I want to go to this whole breakdown of your relationship with Donald Trump. I mean, I, I met him a couple times in my career uh, before he was president. Um, always found him charming and, and nice. And I can't, I, I, the thin skin that has shown up as president is just remarkable to me. And I, I, re, I kind of recall the very small slap you gave to a policy decision he made. I think it was on the Bill Maher show. If I, if I correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. uh, you know, and he went nuts. Can you walk me through that? Well, listen, I mean, I, obviously I knew him like you did, and uh, he was even gregarious during the campaign. Remember, I campaigned with him for nine months, traveled with him on the plane. He had a sense of humor even about his own foibles and so forth. Right. Just, I think that the power is a corrupting element, and I also think he feels cornered. And so sometimes people act the way he's acting when, when cornered. But, you know, I got fired from the White House. I was supportive of him. People ask me an honest question. I, I said, geez, I wish he wouldn't talk like that about our intelligence agencies. He called me that day and said, well, you know, you're supposed to be my friend. Why are you saying that? I said, Mr. President, I, I don't think you should be in front of Vladimir Putin railing on our intelligence right. agencies. You may, you may like Clapper and Comey, but you may not like them, but you like these other guys. They've been supportive. And and so he was cool with that. But on the Bill Maher show, he, he that week he was talking about sending the squad back to the countries that they Oh, yeah, from. yeah. You know, Chris, I'm an Italian-American, okay? Me too. In, in I'm 19, half Italian. I'm... In 1923, my grandmother got here at age 18, and she was told to go back to the country that she came yeah. from by racist, nativist Americans. It's a racist, nativist trope that's been said for 150 Absolutely. Years. My grandfather and, was called a WAP. I'm sure yours was too. And I, I told Mayor Giuliani, I said, why are you disavowing 
your personal history and your personal life story to pretend that that's okay to say. It's not. It's an inappropriate thing to say. I'm on the Bill Maher show defending him. That question comes up. I said, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't defend that. Yeah. Italian-American. They said that to my grandmother. I really wish the president would not talk like that. Bill says to me after the show, he says, do you think he watched the show? I said, no, I don't think so. My wife is like, oh, what are you kidding? You two bozos yeah. on the on television together, live TV? Of course he watched it. And then Bill said to me, well, he's going to hit you tomorrow on Twitter. I think he hit you that night. I, I, re- I remember did. watching no, that he show went, and thinking to myself, what's the went, time? What's the over-under for this guy to get hit? Yeah, no, he went, he went after me, and that was okay. But, you know, I'm a New Yorker and a Long Islander, so I went right back at him. I think I called him like Fidel Adolf Trump or something like that. I got, <laughs> I got the fat shaming in with the dictatorship. Right, right. And I think I got knocked off of Twitter for like 12 hours for the fat shaming. And then he came back at me, and, of course, I went back after him. And he didn't like seeing my subtweets up on uh, CNN because he hate watches CNN. Oh, yeah. And so then he went after my wife. Ugh. And so, I mean, that's the kind of low life the guy is. So once he went after my wife, then I took the gloves off. And, you know, then he stopped because that's what happens when you're a keyboard warrior yeah. like bully. Yeah. Because all he is is a keyboard yeah. warrior bully. This guy, Anderson Cooper said, this seems like a bar fight. I said, Anderson, it's not a bar fight. I said, I've dragged him out of the bar by now. I said, by the way. This guy's never been in a bar fight. Never been in any fight, right? I mean, you have to know that because of the way he acts. Yes, that that blustering and overcompensation is for all those massive insecurities. That's the thing that you know. I don't know if you if you got to work with the Sebastian Gorka, (laughs) and I call him the Sebastian. Yeah, yeah, he he goes after me. He thinks that's serving. This is a this is a guy who I don't even pay attention to. I just ignore it. It's like a. Like a gnat, but that's a guy who who's all about masculinity. So masculine, he blocked me on Twitter three years ago because I said something that hurt his feelings. I guess I think I said when I met him in the green room at Fox, I shook his hand and it was like a dead fish or something like that. Yeah, Uh, but I mean those guys, you know, you know, you grew up. You said you're half Italian, so one of your grandmothers told you what other people think of you is none of your business. Right, I'm, I'm living my life, doing the best I can for myself and my family. And I like calling it straight, which hopefully gets me invited on your podcast again or your radio show. And you know what? I'm just going to be myself. If people like it, great. If they don't like it, that's fine too. But Sebastian Gorka, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't even spend a minute on him. I think yeah. The, the the more serious thing is the President Trump because he, he's so dangerous. He's just fresh in my mind because he he said yeah. something today about how people don't like uh, the media doesn't like Trump because they don't like manly men. And I never thought of Donald Trump as a manly man. I thought of him as a guy overcompensating. I mean, I've been I've been yeah. following him my whole life. I mean, you know. Well, you know, but you said something which I want to be fair and play it straight. I found him charming when I used to go to the Yankee games. I was in uh, Hal Steinbrenner's box. He was yep. sitting there with Regis Philbin. You know, we both worked at NBC. I was a CNBC contributor. He was always very nice to me and very cool to me. You know, I had a nice cordiality with him when I when I left the Bush campaign because you know Jeb came out of the race. And I rotated over to the, the Trump thing. He was very cordial to me. He was very inviting. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning of that, it was a lot of fun because, you know, he was on to something. And I wrote about it in the Blue Collar President. Whether you like Trump or not, your your podcast is the aggressive progressive. Right. We have to do something, Chris, about working class families that feel economically desperate. Yeah, okay, I agree. I, I grew up on Long Island. My dad was a crane operator in Port Washington and the in the sand pits for 41 years, yep. hourly worker, but we were an aspirational working-class family. He was making enough money to put us in the in the middle class. 
uh, that very same job, the real economics of that job are down 26% yeah. in real terms today. You can't, you can't get to where you and I have gotten to if you're that far behind. Do you see what I'm saying? I hear so, you. So whether we like the president or dislike him, as I pointed out in Blue Collar President, he was identifying that. But he hasn't. But, but his policies haven't done anything no, that, about well, it. Well, that's the irony of it. He right. had a he had an enormous opportunity to be a postpartisan, yes, transformational president. I thought not, that. Yeah, me too. Not I, to focus on left or right, but to focus on right or wrong. Right. And to deliver policy solutions to help those people. He didn't do any of that. I thought when he got elected, he didn't know anybody anything. Because right. the Republican Party just tried to stop him. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party tried to stop him. Well, he could have went in there. Wall Street tried to stop him. Everybody tried to stop him. He could have went in there and been a pragmatic New Yorker, which I thought he was. Clearly, he's not. Right. And and he could have done the right thing. Instead, he, he, he bought full into Republican policies that have never worked. And he's just attacked his political opponents. It, it's amazing to me. Well, I mean, look, I mean, those, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to win or not. What do you think? You think he's going to win? No, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think, I, 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 if you would have, before this, before this, this Mm -hmm. happened, Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to win before we were in this situation. I thought it was pretty clear Mm -hmm. that he probably would win. Uh, But everything. Very hard to win in a recession. You know, very hard. There's no modern president, uh, uh, you know, that's won in a recession. No. Harding won in a recession in 1920. That's 100 years ago. Right. There's no, nobody's won. In the electoral year, there being a recession. Nobody's won in a recession that they've created. I know these breaks are crazy, right? I have a tight window in the radio show. No window here. But I'll take a quick break right now, and then I'll be back with part three of my interview with Anthony Jeffers. I am continuing my conversation with Anthony Scaramucci, former communications director for the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Since then, in a few weeks, let's get back to that conversation we were having about the election. Uh, and I, I'm just of the belief right now that he had an opportunity uh, in this crisis to really lead and through that leadership, get elected, get reelected. I think his failure to lead is wearing thin on Americans and these press conferences he's doing, which I think he thinks helps him mm-hmm. are not helping him. Yeah, well, there's only one thing that's going to help him, and that is an economic Hail Mary. Right. If, you, if you've got the stimulus... And we come out of this roaring, uh, then you know he'll be able to say. Remember, you and I both know because we've worked at this thing. Presidential campaigns are media, and they're they're competitions, right? right? And so it's a marketing competition related to the media. This guy's a king of the media, yep. so he's also going up against Joe Biden, who I have a lot of respect for and like, yep. and of course I'm going to support. But by the way, is that breaking news? Are you endorsing Joe no, Biden on my show? Ah, come on, Mooch. Thought. You should have saved it for the Chris Hahn show. I, I should have saved <laughs> it for the show. But I, I, you know, the minute Bernie dropped out, I said, this is the guy. We yep. got to work for this guy. So so so. But I mean, but but for for the for the president right now, the reason why I don't think he's going to win and it's not me talking my book because I, I don't want him to win, obviously. Right. Is I think it's a combination of what you're saying. It's the recession plus the leadership fatigue. Yeah. People are like, okay, you know what? We tried the outsider. He obviously wasn't the right outsider, but we tried it, and it's not working. There's something wrong with the yeah. guy. And I think when you know when the, when the campaign picks up, there'll be people like me that work for him that will explain that he doesn't know how to manage anything. He cannot manage yeah. the process, and so he spooked the entire executive branch into this high-level dysfunctionality where they're – jumping on top of each other. and At a time when we need high-level functionality. 100%. And so what's happening is they're not working together because they're all afraid of him. 
Yeah. You know, remember what Reagan, whatever you like Reagan or didn't like Reagan, there was a sign on his desk in the Oval Office, you can get any where you want in life as long as you don't care who gets the credit. Right. Trump is the opposite of that. He, he wants is, credit. President Trump is all about, I got to be in the spotlight and it's all about me and there are no co-stars on this stage. I always tell people I don't take credit. I'm a cash kind of guy. You know, I don't, I don't need credit for the people that work with me. I just, just, you know, I want them to shine. Otherwise, what's the point? No, that, that's, that's totally smart. I I think, I think you've also got to take responsibility when things are going wrong. That's the difference between Andrew Cuomo right now and Donald Trump. Andrew Cuomo says, blame me. Donald Trump says, blame everybody else. Remember the Bay of Pigs. I am the responsible agent for this government. Yep. Okay. You see, when he said that. Uh, the his approval rating went into the seventies. Right, right. It was a failure. after a huge failure. After John F. Kennedy failure, says, "I April, take responsibility." Yeah, uh, I, am the, number, I am the responsible agent for this government, and, and the fault of this lies on me. And and Andrew Cuomo has been saying the same type of stuff in his daily yeah. press conference. The, yeah. the, the the I take responsible for what's going. On. And his numbers have gone through the roof. You never see a third term New York State governor in the seventies. Mm-hmm. He's in the seventies, and some polls have him in the eighties now. Well, I mean, he he deserves it. I mean, I like teasing him because Christine is uh, is uh, you know uh, uh, Chris's wife says there's a line out the door of of, of ladies that want to date him. I'm yes, like, dude, you were. I mean, you're the only guy benefiting from the coronavirus. He loves <laughs> he loves that whole action. Yes, yes. Well, Howard but, Stern had him on two uh, two weeks ago or last week, and, right. and and that same conversation was had. It was very, very it was an excellent interview, by the way. Hey, look, I mean, Howard's gotten amazing. By the way, I, I read his latest book, another Long Island guy. Yep. I yep. think Howard has evolved into just an amazing psychological figure at this point. So I love listening to his stuff and uh, also like reading what he's writing. I, I, I gobble up everything he puts out. I mean, he, yeah. I, for one, you know, and I yeah. shouldn't be saying this, I'm on terrestrial radio, but I, I think Howard Stern is just the reason why I'm in radio at all. I mean, I'm a TV guy who, you know, five years into his TV career, got a radio show six years ago, seven years ago now. Well, guys, oh, look, you deserve it. I mean, you right. You're talented and thoughtful, and you're provoking. I love what you did to that guy, Matt Gates. I mean, yeah. that guy, that guy is a world class loser. You know, total it's, follower. Yeah, and, you you would think and, that he would know better than to go on TV and debate a political pundit who has nothing to lose, and all he wants to do is get more attention for himself. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I I just find that guy to be like a charlatan. But yeah, th- this is the thing that's going to happen. It's like the Night King has taken over the Republican Party. Yeah. When Trump dematerializes, all those zombies are going to have to answer for themselves. They're going to say, okay, well, what you guys do? We had principles in this party. You know, you're a Repo- you're a Democrat. I'm a Republican. But there are no Republicans left. No. I think there's going to have to be an... Mitt Romney. I think there's going to have to be a complete realignment of the Republican Party. I just... I don't think that they're a viable party right now. They are... You know, their base is completely in the in the bag for Trump. And, I, and then there are people who really want to govern and get things done... Where do they go? Like, I, I think it's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be a McCarthy-like yes. reckoning. I've been saying the same thing. I've been calling. I've been using the same language too. Yeah. I think it's the Long Island in us. I've been saying yeah. there's going to be a reckoning, and I think it's coming in November. Ha, ha, has to be, and then they have to. They have to sit down. They got to open the tent. They promised to do that in 2012, but they went with a very hard tribal yeah. demographic in 2016. By the way, I'm an accomplice to that, so I have to bear my responsibility for it. I just thought, like you did, there was a level of pragmatism to his personality that was going to shine here. Yeah, and he went he went in a different direction. He became a tribal, divisive, 
nationalistic sort of a figure. It's, it's amazing. And those are all the dangerous things that we don't need right now in our society. The xenophobic side of him is scary, if you ask me. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, nonsense with the immigration. It has nothing to do with the COVID-19 disease. It's just part part and parcel to feed his base, all this nonsense that he's feeding them. Yeah. Did you work with that guy, Stephen Miller, in your 11 days in the White House? You know, I, I, I interacted with Steve on the campaign. I think, you know, you're probably, you're going to probably, this is a little contrarian, okay? Uh, I think he gets a bum rap, okay? He, really? So, yes, because he's <laughs> he's a little stilted on television and a little bit robotic. A little stilted? And, yeah, well, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> yes. And so, so be honest. Is, he gets, he How gets, stilted is he? He's pretty stilted. He's pretty he freaking gets, stilted. He gets demonized, you know, and so they use him as a totem for everything. Right. But he's a young kid, you know, he's a 35 or 34-year-old kid, I, I don't. I don't think that, you know, that's one of the things I didn't love about being in politics. I mean, you know, when when these guys like John Oliver are making fun of me, I can take the joke. I think it's funny. But I'm also, the flip side is we demonize people that are actually human beings. You know? hey, I was the so chief deputy, I was the chief deputy county executive of Nassau County when I was 32. And right. I was, or I went bald early too, Stephen Miller. I never got angry about it. I just shaved my head. In who, fact, who I like it. was the county executive when you were deputy? Oh, uh, Mr. Thomas Swazi. I'm well, sure you're Tom familiar Swazi. with him. Uh, Tommy's a great guy. He's a great guy. Tommy, yeah, he's, a, he's our congressman out here. Yes, he's he is. Guy. Yes, he is. Uh, I, his father was my first job in the legal system. Joe Swazi. I worked for I worked for Swazi English and Klein. Meyer Swazi English and Klein, or just yeah, Swazi? It became, English? it became Meyer Swazi and English and Klein after John Meyer joined uh, them. He was the Suffolk County exec, but it was it was Swazi English and Klein when I was there, and I was a paralegal uh, making copies for them. All in right. Mediola. Now I never do this. I'm going to do a fourth segment with you, so you're going to stick around. Is that right, okay? You got it. You stick got around. It. Yeah. So I did a fourth segment on my radio show with him. It's the first time I did it. Um, I mean, I've done two segments back when I used to do the 20 minute blocks before I had the network clock, but, uh, this is the first time I did four segments. I was enjoying the conversation. Two guys from Long Island talking politics, uh, on a national level. So here's the final segment with Anthony Scaramucci. Anthony, uh, this has been a great conversation. You're a Long Island guy. You grew up here on Long Island. Uh, so much in common. Let's just see the path forward here. We've got you know, a couple of months before the election, we've got a president who I feel like every day gets a little bit more unhinged. Is there anything you are truly frightened about right now with him? Well, I mean, you'd have to be, you, you know, you're in general frightened because he's capable of doing things that are unstable. You know, the Soleimani hit, as an example, in January, yeah. just like 500 years ago. But, you know, I, I remember watching that and thinking, okay, this could get out of control. Yep. And if we go kinetic with Iran, we're not ready for another kinetic battle after 18 years of doing this stuff. So so thank God that got arrested pretty quickly. Yep. But, but he is unstable and he's unpredictable and he is lashing out right now to try to find blame on somebody or something away from himself. He's going to probably push a racist agenda related to China. We yep. can debate that whether I'm not I'm not supporting the Chinese Communist Party by any means and they've made a lot of mistakes here. Uh but I, I, I don't want to go full xenophobia. That's yeah. not good for America. It seems like that's his only campaign play against Biden to say he's weak on China. Meanwhile this guy clearly got rolled by China this year on this issue on the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. I mean he'll he'll say that he was uh, he had a really strong economy and that this was not his fault and right. stuff like that. But but what I'm what I'm worried about uh, is his last three weeks into that election. 
Mm. And I know that sounds crazy, but he's a wild card player. Yeah. And so when you talk about an October surprise, you know, he's capable through full-blown impetuosity of doing things that would be irrational to a normal person right. if he thought it was in his best interest. I'm going to leave your listeners with one thought, and don't ever forget this. When he's doing a news search, he's searching T-R-U-M-P. Mm. He's not searching USA. Right. He is not searching Y-O-U. Right. And by the way, he's definitely not searching Y-O-U. He could care about Y-O-U. Right. But it's, it's, it's T-R-U-M-P, and so you're three weeks out from the election, and it's close maybe, or he's behind. You know, he he's going to be behind three weeks yeah, out okay, for sure. Okay. He likely will be behind. Right. And so, therefore, he's capable of doing something that could create instability. Now, my buddy Bill Maher, he thinks if he loses, he's not leaving. Right. So that's a whole other problem. But I, can I think that right that's now, a possibility. I think he will say he won't leave, but people will make him leave. Oh, no, no. He'll be gone. He'll be out the door yeah. because the military can't stand him. I mean, right. You know that they're holding their nose and they are trying to operate inside the chain of command. Right. But the secret inside of the military, which is an unspoken secret, that he's a walking disaster. Right. And so they'll they'll make sure that he's gone and that the rule of law and the constitution is followed. So but he's gotta he's gotta be beaten and he's gotta be beaten in those eleven states, Chris. And yep. so I'll be taking time out of my schedule going into those white ethnic Me too. areas of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan and talking to people about why he was the wrong solution and yep. how dangerous. By he the way, you're speaking to you're years. speaking to the entire state of Wisconsin. I'm on in four powerful markets in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Well, I'll be up there. I'm you know because I you know my family's originally I grew up on Long Island, but my dad's from Plains, PA. Wow. My dad grew up about four miles from where Joe Biden was born, and this is a little obscure trivia. Hillary Clinton, six miles from my dad was born. Wow. When Secretary Clinton's on TV. She sounds like my Aunt Eleanor. They all have the same accent yep. from that sort of northeastern Pennsylvania region. So, yep. So what do you listen. think what do you think he would do to cause the instability? Is there something that you think that he might do to cause instability? Did he ever mention anything like that to you? No, no. It's just his it's his personality. He needs the attention. He's insatiable with the attention. It's part of that whole narcissistic void. He has to prove to people like the reason why he's so self-destructive, he wants to melee everybody in his path, and then right. he wants to win anyway to prove it was all about him, and nobody helped him with his election. Remember when he's when he's criticizing somebody when he took me out on Twitter or Bannon, it's always well they did nothing to help me win the right. election. Right. I will I will say this to your listeners though, you have never felt more alive than when the president of the United States is calling you an unstable nut job on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Okay. When he called me that, I went white as a ghost, and I had the adrenaline pumping. But then, then you get over it. I've been waiting for that tweet. You know, I'm 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 one of his biggest critics on shows I know he watches, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like I'm like you know where's my hate tweet, Donnie? Once he once he sees you in action in Wisconsin and Michigan, yeah, he'll he'll start firing bombs at you. Yeah. Those bombs are done to intimidate you and to slow you down. I mean, I, I mean, took that's... apart his big lieutenant. I took apart Giuliani back in mm-hmm. September. I mean, took him apart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was and, and nothing, nothing, no tweet. You know, and, I was in you know, Rolling always, Stone had me. You know, the mayor I always liked. I, it's just an open question to me, like, what the hell happened, you know, over the next, over the last 18 months? You know, yeah. I can't, I can't figure it out. But he, he you know, remember, I came out of uh, law school. I had no network. My first campaign check was to Mayor Giuliani. Then 
he was uh, the former aide, you know, U.S. attorney, and he was running for mayor. He lost that election. Yep. But he was very helpful to me in helping me build my career at Goldman Sachs. So I'll always have a fondness for him. I don't understand what he's doing right now. And to me, there's a great sadness to that. I like to see him the way I remember him. I worked like for Senator. Sh- I worked for you know? Senator Schumer in his first mm-hmm. term, and I worked for him on 9/11. And I worked with Giuliani and his team after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I could attest to the leadership he showed yes. after 9-11. No you know, I, I wasn't a big I fan of him before him. 9-11, but I was a big fan of him after 9-11 because he led. And leadership is a, you know, it's it's a rare quality. And he showed it and he, and he, and he lived it for those, you know, four months that he was still mayor after 9-11. And it was a good thing for all New Yorkers. And I, I had such a hard time fighting with him on Fox News, but he would not let it go. And it was just so bad. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I, the way I see him right now, it's a tragic story. I, I, he could have I just... I don't like it. They would have named like bridges it. after him in New York if he would have just gone away at this, at, you know, after I, he ran I, for president. I, I want to remember him the way you and I would remember him after 9-11 when yep. the city was in that great trauma. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and listen, you know, Andrew, uh, Governor Cuomo has stepped up. Um, this is another obscure fact about me because I'm close to the Cuomo family, I backed Andrew in 02 when he ran for governor. Wow. I remember Carl McCall beat him. Yep. And I was in the uh, Harvard Club doing a fundraiser for him in, in 02. And uh, and then, you know, he had a little bit of a setback, and then he ran for AG. I supported him then. Um, and so, you know, we've always been close. And, uh, you know, our daughters went to uh, college together. And so, and obviously, you know, Chris and I are close. I try to do a show a couple yep. times a month. Yep. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, we're New Yorkers, whether you're Republican or Democrat. We're New Yorkers. We want what's best for the country, and we sort of we love our state. We want what's best for the state, you know. So, well, good times are ahead. We just got to stay focused, and uh, we got to get the right people in the right seats. All right, I got one minute left for you. With yep. you, give me your surprise state that you think Donald Trump is going to lose, because I think there are a couple potential surprises going on out there. Oh well. You know, so you're not talking about the swing states, and you're talking about a yeah. red state. Yeah, give me a state surprise state, yeah. Surprise state would be Iowa. I know that sounds crazy, but it's close enough to what's going on up in Michigan yeah. and Wisconsin, and I think those farmers are fed up with them. Yeah. You know, that's a surprise state, because he won it last time pretty big. And, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag for him there, but it's mostly... A and it, it was a purple right state till about eight years ago, and mm-hmm. it's gone pretty red the last well, couple well, of years. I mean, I, I definitely think he's losing Pennsylvania, because I know... Yeah, he's done in Pennsylvania. He's done in Michigan, too. Yeah, so he's done in Michigan and Pennsylvania. Those, those, those numbers are terrible. I think, you know, it's going to be a fight to the death in Wisconsin. I'm going to spend a lot of time up there in Wisconsin. Yep. So what's your surprise state before we go? Texas. He's going to lose it. All right, look, that's it. That's all the time I have with you. You are the best. Anthony Scaramucci at... Scaram- at Anthony Scaramucci on Twitter. No, at Scaramucci. At, at Scaramucci. Scaramucci. Anthony Scaramucci, thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate it. All right, that was my longest interview for this podcast. I hope you liked it. Uh, what a way to start season two. All right, I'll be right back. Stay where you're at. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. Interesting perspective. I think uh, he's got a lot more to say clearly uh, going to be supporting Joe Biden, which is good. Howard Stern came out, said he would support Joe Biden. I mean, I he's been saying it for a while, but he went off on him regarding the bleach incident, and I am so happy that he did. He said he's all in. Um, 
doesn't know how anybody could support this guy. Uh, you know, made some comedy about it that I'm sure conservatives will get their panties in a bunch over. So, you know, go have at it. It's fine. Um, but here we are. I mean, it's going to be an interesting year. And and look, I, I, um, I'm excited to be a part of it. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a liberal on Fox News. I go into the belly of the beast. I make my points and I get out. Um, I think that more liberals have to do it. I, I don't think I should be the only one. I, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people like uh, Donna Brazil and Juan Williams and some others that go in there and really bring the fight to them on their turf. And um, I'm excited to be involved. This is, I think, my fourth presidential election. Maybe not my fourth. My third presidential election as a political commentator. I was definitely there in 2012, uh, 2016, and now this one. This this is the most important one. And hopefully the American people wake up, and I think they are. And I'm excited about it. I'm not excited at how we got here, but this crisis has shined a bright spotlight on the utter disaster that is the Trump presidency, his cabinet, and the man himself who's just utterly unprepared for a crisis. And we can't trust him to lead the recovery. And we've got to make sure that our conservative friends know that. And I don't think you can convince all of them. I say this every week. But if you can convince one of your conservative friends to either vote for Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is or not vote at all, you have won the war. And when I go on Fox News, I'm just thinking I've got to get people to question their allegiance to this man. If they are questioning their allegiance to this man and 1% of the Fox News audience decides not to show up and vote for him, then I've won. I've done my job. We're going to win. It is, um, he he can't be trusted anymore. And I think the American people are starting to see that. I mean, look, I think 55% of the American people always knew that. Somehow in this country, you could get elected with 43% of the vote. I don't think people are going to be wasting their time with third-party candidates this year, right? I mean, all these polls have, well, will you vote for the libertarian? Give me a break. Do you love America? Do you want to see us recover from this? There's only one way to vote. It's whoever is the Democratic nominee against Donald Trump. I don't endorse people. I'm not endorsing anybody now. I just want him gone. And I think you all agree with me. Most of you, anyway. I mean, I got a lot of Fox News fans who listen to this podcast because they they truly enjoy my commentary. And I, I'm glad about that. My radio show is on a lot of conservative stations. If you live in a market that doesn't have my radio show, call your local radio station. Tell them you want it. A lot of these uh, programming directors think only conservatives could do radio. I think I'm proving them wrong. Uh, we're now on in 16 markets, so pretty excited about that too. So I hope you're all staying safe. I hope you are making the best of this quarantine situation. I, I'm i sure many of you, like me, have friends and family members who have suffered from this and died, unfortunately. I, I know I have couple of friends who have uh, died or had loved ones die. Um, we're going to get through it. I know I say it every week. I believe it. Um, we are going to get through this. We are going to recover. We're going to be stronger. We're going to fight on. And hopefully we'll be ready next time. Hopefully we will have learned from our mistakes. 
Hopefully we won't be sending jokers to Congress and jokers to the White House, jokers to the State House. We'll be making our choices based on who is competent to lead in a time of national peril. Because we clearly weren't thinking that in 2016. We thought, oh, this economic boom that came about during the eight years of a great president, Barack Obama, will last forever. Nothing can change that. Oh, let's give this game show host a try in the White House. I don't think we're going to think that way anymore in this country. And I, I hate that it took this crisis to bring us there, but that's where we are. Amen. God, I hope you're doing okay. Please follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. And if you're not already subscribing to this podcast, hit the subscribe button or the follow button or whatever button your app has to have this podcast in your inbox every week when it comes out. And I want to remind you now, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Hey, it's me, your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, now in stores. It's foaming delicious. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.